Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us as we continue our series on marriage preparation. Why are we doing this series? Well, the Vatican has recently recommended doubling the length of time for the pre-Cana classes for couples preparing for marriage. Well, I'm in full agreement that marriage preparation needs strengthening, I'm very hesitant to recommend extending the required length of those classes. Why is that? The main reason is, is just between the year 2000 and 2012, church weddings dropped by 40%. This is an astonishing decline. And yet at the same time, the number of Catholics in the U.S. has increased. And I believe there could be a definite risk of a further plunge in church weddings as a result of doubling the time requirement. So what I'm advocating is definitely strengthening marriage preparation by not making it longer, but making it better. And the focus today is what can the church be doing before pre-Cana? You might call it pre-Pre-Cana or before pre-Cana, but it's the years even leading up to a young couple getting married. Now, part of the problem that's been identified, and again, I agree with this, is that thousands of young Catholics are getting married without fully embracing their faith and especially as their faith pertains to their married life. But I think it's a mistake to try to pin all the problem and the fault for lack of a full embrace of of the faith by young married couples on marriage preparation. It would be my strongest suggestion, rather than trying to double the length of a pre-cana program, is to reinforce that strengthening of the faith in the years leading up to a pre-Cana program. I just checked on the internet for the median age of first marriages in the United States because it's going up and up. But the latest I found is for women, the median age is 28.4 years. Again, that's moving up. And for men, it's 30.3 years. It's gotten into the early 30s. Now, given this, this means that the Catholic Church has two and a half decades before pre-Cana to awaken and nourish the faith of its members before they approach the church for marriage preparation. Again, I think it's too much to put on the shoulders of marriage prep, getting young couples to fully embrace their faith. Obviously, you should do that at that point if it hasn't been done, but wouldn't it be wiser to take the two and a half decades before they approach a pre-Cana program to work on strengthening that faith of the young couples. Now, I've tried to identify one or two key areas 
why the young couples are coming to the church for marriage, either in their late 20s and now for guys even in their early 30s, and not having that awakened faith. Uh, I'm using statistics gathered by Sherry Wendell in her book, Intentional Disciples, and she discovered that 60% of Catholics, 18 to 29, these are those years where you're you're dating, courting, leading up to an engagement, 60% of Catholics, 18 to 29, aren't certain if it's possible to have a personal relationship with God. Now, it's not saying they don't believe in God, but he's somebody distant and disconnected. Now, if you're approaching marriage with a, a belief system that has God in a distance from you, that you seriously doubt if it's even possible to really know God in a personal way, well, obviously, if you're going to run into the normal struggles that all couples go through, particularly in the first half dozen years of marriage, well, that faith is going to be way too weak to be of any assistance to you. So what do we have to do? I would say, let's look to, first of all, priests have people there every week for two decades, and including just a little bit, and I'll be expanding on some practical ways priests can do this in a very winsome way, but give out uh, information, so to speak, to everyone, because this isn't just a problem for young adults approaching marriage. I believe what I'm about to share with you is also the prime reason why parents who struggle so hard to catechize their children, get them to catechism classes and sacramental preparation classes and go half bankrupt with Catholic education and everything else, and then see their young adult children walk away from the faith. Why is that? I am going to read from you from a new book that's not even published yet. So basically, this is copyright, however you do that over the air. But um, I worked real hard on this trying to figure out why are we losing the majority? That's right. The majority uh, of our young people are walking away from the faith who were at one point active in church life. Now, The same reason I would place on why young adults are walking away from the faith is the same reason that young couples coming to pre-Cana without a solid faith, it's the same root cause. And I call that notional belief versus genuine faith. Here it goes. There's a world of difference between notional belief and genuine faith. Notional belief refers to religious information held in the mind. You see, it's not enough just to put religious information in the mind. It can linger on the periphery of the person without creating any lasting impact. Religious education that isn't dynamically connected with a personal relationship with Christ results only in notional belief. 
Now, here's what Pope Benedict XVI said for the 26th World Youth Day in Madrid, and I think he put the finger on what the need is for young people. Listen carefully. Here's what he said. The Christian faith is not only a matter of believing that certain things are true, but above all, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is an encounter with the Son of God that gives new energy to the whole of our existence. When we enter a personal relationship with him, Christ reveals our true identity. And in friendship with him, our life grows towards complete fulfillment. Faith is, first of all, a personal adherence to God. Now, remember that a majority of Catholic young people, 18 to 29, are lacking just this. 40% of Catholics in that age group believe that having a personal relationship to God is possible, but the majority, 60%, aren't even certain if such a thing is in within the realm of possibility. So, this is the challenge why young people are waking, walking away from the faith, and it's also why marriages, Catholic marriages, that are, are starting with such a feeble faith formation, and it's not the problem of marriage prep. As I say, there have been years. There's youth groups. There's catechism classes. There's scouting programs. There's homilies. There's broadcast on the radio. All kinds of things that should have been strengthening this fundamental aspect that Pope Benedict says, this is what changes everything or leaves just a notional belief with religious facts somewhere in the back of your mind. Now, here's what John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II said regarding the same thing. And this is, this is, the, this is the left and right pitch, so to speak. This, this, these two quotations get to the root of what is the challenge in keeping young people in the faith and getting young couples who come to pre-Cana with an alive faith. I think it's way too much to ask the people running pre-Cana to do the work that, that the church has had two decades to do. So here it goes. This is what John Paul II said. Catechetical practice must allow for the fact that the initial evangelization has often not taken place. I'm going to read that a second time because I could just shout this. Catechetical practice must allow for the fact that the initial evangelization has not taken place. A certain number of children baptized in infancy, I would just, he's being diplomatic, I'll just paraphrase, a multitude of children baptized in infancy come for catechesis in the parish without receiving any other initiation into the faith and still without any explicit personal attachment to Christ. Now, if you want, you can substitute children and put in there young couples coming to pre-Cana for marriage preparation. They're still 
without any explicit personal attachment to Christ. If you need to get a faith awakened in young marriages, why wait for pre-Cana when you have two and a half decades to get this accomplished? John Paul II goes on. They only have the capacity to believe placed within them by baptism and the presence of the Holy Spirit. This means catechesis, so-called, must often concern itself not only with nourishing and teaching the faith, but also with arousing it unceasingly with the help of grace, with opening the heart and converting and with preparing total adherence to Jesus Christ on the part of those who are still on the threshold of faith. This concern will in part decide the tone, the language, and the method of catechesis. Now, this is so incredibly important. And so, in other words, children coming for catechesis are catechized without a necessary first step. That first step is to have the heart opened, converted, and totally adhering to Christ, who they have a personal relationship with. Now, I'm going to take both Benedict XVI's citation and St. John Paul II's citation and try to illustrate this as simply as possible. It might be too simple for some of your likings, but here it goes. I'll call it Catholic baseball. I do believe deeply that Catholics have the Ferrari of Catholic theology. I mean, we have got it. Uh, it's such. It's a treasure. It's literally a treasure. But we're so convinced of this that and. Catholic baseball is how do you convey the faith to children, to young couples, you name it, even adults, okay? We're so good at Catholic baseball, and we know that everyone who's in the church knows about having a personal relation with Christ, who has been uh, experienced a heart opening to Christ in a way that totally impacts their life, that we skip that. So you stand up to the plate, you swing, you get a hit, and you run straight to second base, then the third and home. Next batter up, straight hit the midfield, go to second place, skip first, we all know that, go to third and then home. And for some reason, we're not winning. Even though we have the Ferrari of theology, we have the means to convey the faith, we have educational institutions, and particularly here in America, we have Catholic radio, we have conferences, we have youth ministries, we have everything except first base. The first base is necessary in order to get to second base. And if you keep swinging and running towards second base with skipping first, you get nowhere. That's what these two popes are saying. I'm just paraphrasing them to try to drive the point home. We have to bring about a change in the life. Now, this is going to sound heretical to some, and others will exclaim, but we've never done it that way. So what? It's not working. And doubling the length of marriage preparation 
without doing this personal adherence to Christ, will not accomplish what it desires. Just like doubling the length of uh, CCD from 45 minutes to 90 minutes, it will not do the work if you don't hit first base. That's what the two popes are saying. So here's my heretical thought. Classrooms are not the best place to do this. Sterile classrooms are not the best place in the world to develop a personal relationship with Christ. St. John Paul II said, you know, this, this whole task of, of have this personal attachment to Christ, um, well, then we, we will have to decide the tone and the language and the method of catechesis. I'm not against classrooms. I've taught in classrooms about every age, young person, literally from kindergarten through college. But it's how do you awaken that faith? Now, I don't think this is a mystery. And I don't think John Paul II left us a mystery. He wrote this. He knows what's necessary I don't think the church is listening very well because it just wants to double up on what's not working. But so what did John Paul II do to awaken personal relationship in faith? Precisely this age group that's now falling away in massive numbers. It used to be uh, 60%, and now I've seen it's maybe even moved up to the 70% range of those who are active in church life as a child and a young teen have now fallen away. So what did John Paul II do? Well, let's see. Kayaking, mountain hiking, retreats. He did all of this with young adults as a priest. Why did he do that? Because these are shared activities that you build personal bonds through the activity, and whatever it is, it's cooking hot dogs over a campfire. That's a shared activity, or marshmallows, or whatever you like. But through the shared personal activity, and if a person who's there about to teach, maybe not a real long time, but if you develop the personal relation, then you can open your mouth, once you've experienced it yourself, and convey a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what St. John Paul II did. That's how he implemented what he was talking about. That was his life. And, you know, we might have a last step retreat, like for confirmation. You have a retreat at the end. Uh, no, I think that's got the cart and the horse directly turned around. You need some kind of retreat, some type of shared activity, some type of conscious, catechetical, evangelistic type of thrust where you get the heart open and personally attached to Christ. And you don't have to wait till they're ready to get married. You can do this for children. You can do this for teens, and you can do it for young adults as they're even preparing for marriage or youth uh, retreats. But this is what has to come first, and if we don't do this first, 
then the other things will not happen. In other words, what people need more than information is transformation. Transformation is where your life changes. And in a live faith, not religious facts, uh, simply taught in a sterile atmosphere, I'm sorry, but it, very often it, it, it's not doing the job. That's why in my youth ministry, yes, I had classes, we had uh, extensive teaching and everything else, but we also had a lot of retreats and outdoor activities and adventures because those things develop strong personal relationships and from those relationships, you can develop strong personal attachment to Christ. And we need to really rethink how we do this. Coming back to Pope Benedict XVI, he said, having faith in the Lord is not something that solely involves our intelligence. Now, people are going to say, well, Steve's talking about some kind of wishy-washy faith. No, I'm not. I'm talking about a deep faith, a strong faith. And by the way, once you awaken the heart through that personal transformation and personal adherence, uh, the person gets real thirsty for information about Christ. They want teaching, and they'll digest it, not in the periphery of their mind, but deep within them, they'll want it to live. So here's probably one of the most brilliant popes we've had in a long, long time saying, faith in the Lord is not something that involves solely our intelligence, the area of intellectual knowledge. Rather, it is a change that involves our life, our whole self, feelings, heart, that's the center of a person, intelligence, emotions, and human relationships. With faith, everything truly changes. And I will add, if you really want to change pre-Cana, to make it alive with faith, pre-Cana changes. But you have to have it on first base. You can't go to the end of pre-Cana and hope a little devotion or something is going to do this. No, you, you want to awaken this. In fact, if I had, if I had the option, let's say of, um, let's say the new recommendation, a year of pre-Cana in a classroom, versus you're going to give me um, two long weekends. Okay, the first weekend, I would just copy what somebody did here. It was, he was a counselor who did uh, marriage retreats for couples who are having marriage problems. This guy's a smart guy because he, first of all, realized that a lot of men don't like psychologists. I don't know if you're aware of that, but that's the truth. And sorry, psychologist. I have even friends who are psychologists, but that's the truth. So what he did is organized a couple's canoe trip as the first step in a marriage retreat. And a lot of the wives are thinking, oh boy, I don't even know how to canoe. Well, he designed it so that the marriage canoe trip started upriver. <laughs> so basically, all you had to do was coast to get to where you're going, and there's some cabins and retreat center, and then had a marriage workshop. But see, you had the shared activity 
you kind of broke down the walls. People started having fun, maybe even splashing each other and whatever. And then you had the campfire talk on how to heal marriages. And this man, to my knowledge, wasn't a Catholic. But at that point, uh, and I have some priests in mind who would do a really, really good job of this, have a priest show up and uh, offer confession and then the Eucharist for those couples, sending them home in a state of grace, enthused about their marriage. And then I don't care where the next weekend is. You can put us in a sterile classroom. I would prefer a lodge with a big fireplace and some coffee and tea and whatever, and then go through what they're going to be facing um, in their very early steps of marriage and how to prepare for it. Um, I'm also advocating, and this is a future broadcast, of what we can do after they're married. But um, if you just got that done, if you got the critical work done of putting Christ in the center of their lives, and then as they transition towards marriage, Christ in the center of their marriage, they will have what maybe two-thirds of young couples that want to get married in the Catholic Church don't have. And that will make the eternal difference. That will make the difference in their child's life. And so we don't want a dead faith and trying to somehow uh, awaken that in a traditional way because it isn't doing it. And everything I just told you about, about that pre-Cana retreat, that river trip or whatever for engaged couples or married couples, you can do with youth. You can even do some of these things on a simpler level with children, but the idea is a shared activity that will involve a personal relationship between teacher and student. This is also the key for parenting and passing on the faith. The stronger the bond between parent and child, the stronger the faith that will be conveyed from parent to child. It isn't just the information, and believe me, I'm an information guy. You would think I'm covetous, and that uh, if you saw what I spend on books, I'm not anti-intellectual. I'm not anti-learning. I'm not anti-instruction and teaching. But first things first, and that's first base, coming to know Jesus Christ and his love, his mercy, and forgiveness, and his goodness for us forever. And that's what I want you to take home. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 401 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.